All right, guys, I am so excited to welcome today's guest. You all know her as the iconic middle sister, Stephanie Tanner on Full House. But in addition to acting, she's a producer, a director, and an activist. Ladies and gents, the one and only Jody Sweeten. Hi, Jody. Hi. Hey, how are you? I am good. I am so excited to be sitting down with you today. It's honestly such a pleasure to meet you. And like Thank my you. favorite part about doing this podcast is that I get to talk to people that would make like little 90s kid Blake just absolutely <laughs> shit his pants. So Yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of fun to get to meet those people, right? It's so cool. Like I would literally get picked up from school and be like, "Mom, we we've got to get home and watch Full House." And it was one of those shows oh, that I love like, that everyone can watch like me and my brother could watch it but like our parents also like my mom obviously watched it for John Stamos oh, yeah. like, we we get it we know <laughs> of, course, of course but but it was one of those shows where there was something for everyone and you were that for me like honestly oh, I was you. obsessed with you and I think it was because like DJ was a little too like straight laced for me right? and Stephanie was like you know willing to to push the boundaries a bit Exactly. Steph always had, sorry, I'm putting my phone on do not disturb. Um, Steph always had a, uh, a little bit of a, like a, I don't know, an, not an attitude in like a bad way, but she was like, she had a little bit of snark to her. She was a little sarcastic. She was the realist. Like if, you know, stuff was going sideways in a room, she was like, uh, you guys like, you know, Right. she would call it out. Uh, and I, I love that about Steph. I love that. Yeah. About Steph. I, I mean, and in a lot weird. of ways, yeah, and a lot like, of ways she I, was I kind of became her in that a lot of right. ways. You know? It was great. Totally. Well, and she also was like the voice of the people, which is really <laughs> interesting for like a five-year-old to be the voice of the people. But she was, like you said, whenever anything was going on in the show, we're going sideways, and the audience was like kind of looking a little left. Stephanie was right there with us, looking left. Right. You know, it was. I mean, even from the very first episode, it, it's funny. Like I can think immediately. You know, with the pilot episode. Jesse and Joey are putting the baby in like a pot because she's got a dirty diaper. Right, they don't know right. what to do. And Steph's just like, are you, what are you going to do? Roast a turkey? You know, <laughs> like it, from that first moment, she's just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to call it out. And I, I love that about Steph. She was kind of a no nonsense, very, very fun character to, to play both. She, as she really was. As well, and you mentioned that you kind of um, became Stephanie in in some ways as you as you aged up. What, were you like that as a kid? Like, were you this kind of like you know full of attitude yeah. and spunk? Yeah, I was. So you know, it's always I don't know how much I became Steph or how much Steph became me or right. how much we were just sort of influenced by each other and also how much the writers were influenced by kind of who I was naturally as a kid right. and what my personality was, you know, I was a dancer. So they wrote in that Steph loved to dance because they knew it would be something that they could, you know, write storylines about. Yeah. I mean, that clip um, of you like doing that hip hop number, like it gets circulated all the time, like whatever the big, like the big yeah. bop of the moment is they'll throw it on top of it. And it's just like yeah. getting down with Stephanie. It really, yeah. It kind of goes to like almost every, uh, yeah, there's a lot, lot of a, a lot of different versions of it to a lot yeah. of different and I'm honored each time <laughs> um but yeah you know I I I don't know how much like I became Stephanie or she became me or whatever but um I I really loved who she was and and what she stood for Steph kind of always stood up for her friends and you know she might have made like dumb choices but she always tried to make it right in the end yeah, absolutely. And unlike some of the other characters, DJ, DJ, Stephanie seemed to care less about what other people thought. You know, that was something that DJ struggled with a lot, especially as she kind of went into middle school and high right. school is, is you know, dealing with other people's judgment. And then, you know, there was the Steve of it all. But right. Stephanie was just kind of like, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to drive this car into the kitchen, whether you I mean, want me yeah, to or a little not. Bit. Like <laughs> Steph was a little bit the one that, you know, she just kind of went ahead and like did stuff. Uh, and again, very much like me just like went ahead and did stuff and then was like oh shit uh-oh you know what I mean like that kind of reaction um yeah. but that's oh, how man. we learn you my know? kids just showed uh, speaking of crashing the car in the kitchen my younger daughter just showed me some like tiktok mashup of the the two times that Steph crashed the car into the kitchen like as a kid and as an adult and there's right. like some song and they did it's a whole thing and she was like mom you're on you're like a tiktok mashup I was like 
great. I, it's oh so funny. God. Well, and it's funny because I, I literally it. just said like, oh, well, that's how we learn. But clearly Stephanie never learned. She's just going to keep driving no, into no, the no. kitchen. No, no, <laughs> Steph never learned. Don't get into a car in the backyard when you're upset or Right. Well, and to be fair, driving in San Francisco is really hard. Driving in San Francisco is super hard. And to be, to also be fair, the size of that backyard changes all the time. So like, you know, it's really hard to know distance. Like it obviously, (laughs) it, you know, things are either a lot closer or a lot farther than they appear in the mirror. So, you know, (laughs) I'm saying that that backyard and the shape shifting that it does also play in. Exactly. You were, you were set up to fail. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't Stephanie's fault. (laughs) No, it was not. Absolutely not. I I definitely have to believe that the writers were influenced by you and your personality just because of your age. I feel like it was probably a lot easier for them to write to you than try and have, you know, a five-year-old because you were five when you started the show. Yeah. Kind of become this completely different person. Um, But what, what was it like, you know, joining this show at age five? I mean, do you even like really remember like the audition process or anything like that? Well, people always ask me about it. And it's funny because uh, I never actually auditioned for the show. Um, I had done a guest appearance on a show called Valerie that was Valerie Harper's show. Um, It later became the Hogan family. But Jason Bateman was on it. He played one of the sons. Um, Anyway, I played the next door neighbor's niece. I played Mrs. Poole's niece. And, you know, as neighbors go, she was the wacky next door neighbor. There's uh, always played, a wacky, right, there's next, always door a wacky next door neighbor. <laughs> and, uh, and I played her niece and it was the same producers as a, a full house. And they had full house in like development at the time they were, you know, pitching scripts and doing stuff. And Jeff Franklin, the show's creator and producer saw me and was like, that's Stephanie. Uh, and that was how I wound up becoming Steph. It, it, we were actually just talking about it recently. We were all out to dinner um, and he was talking about it. He was like, yeah, I just, I saw a clip of you. And he was like, that was exactly what I wanted for Steph. Um, and I was the first person cast on the show. Wow. So yeah. That's it, incredible. Like I said, the good. voice of the people. We're just, you heard it here first, everyone. Full House was was created around Jody. No, Sweeten. But- <laughs> this is the Jody Sweeten project. No, you know, it is funny though, because John always tells this story that like, you know, when I sat down at the table read and I was I was reading along with everyone else, I could read at a very early age. He was just like, oh my God, I'm going to be out, you know, upstaged by this five-year-old. He was like freaking out. And it's this funny story that he tells, um, actually. But but yeah, I you know, I, the show was definitely not created around me. Um, but I happened to be kind of one of the first first cast members. And, um, and you know, I always say something very magical happened when this group of people was put together. So I'm, yeah. I'm honored to have been kind of the first little stone put in place. Absolutely. And, you know, casts like this, they're referred to as like lightning in a bottle, but it is true that for for a show like this to work and for it to become the cultural phenomenon that it was, you need all of the right pieces, you know, all right. the stars aligning. And and what's something, something I think a lot of people don't know is that there was actually a full house pilot that was shot before the original one that went to air where right. Bob Saget wasn't even your dad. Right. Bob was not in it. We, originally, Jeff had really, really, really wanted Bob. Bob was doing a, another show. He was hosting a morning show or something. So he wasn't available. Wake uh, up San Francisco. Yeah, he was. Yes, he was actually doing Wake Up San Francisco. No, he was hosting something in uh, Philadelphia, Chicago, something kind of back east. And um, and he we had John Posey was uh, was the original dad. And then uh, Bob became available. And and Dave and Bob had actually been friends since they were like 18 years old and young Mm -hmm. comics. They lived together and everything. So they knew each other and Dave was like, you know, I Bob's available now. And it kind of all, all the pieces fell into place and it, and we reshot the pilot with Bob. And that was, that was just the, the thing that clicked. So yeah, the it, magic. And yeah. I don't think it ever, ever, I, you know, thinking about it now, like I, um, not that John Posey was a terrible actor or not that, but there was just something, um, there was something about Bob. And I think we all saw it after he passed, there was something incredibly endearing about, him that oh, yeah. people just really gravitated towards. And I think it was it was one of the magic pieces of the show. 
Absolutely. He was such a staple. And then he he not only became a staple of the show, but he became a staple of the time. Like when, when you think yes. of that, like late eighties, early nineties, oh, he yeah. is kind of the quintessential dad that you think yes. of. Yes. Right. Yeah. See, I mean, yeah, it, it's, you know, family matters, uh, full house, fresh Prince. Like those are the nineties. Totally. family. I know, you know we were trying to forget about the Cosby show. That doesn't, I didn't <laughs> think, yeah, I didn't, I yeah. was like, we're not even gonna, no, didn't age well. Didn't age well. Um, but you know, I, I, those were that, like, that's what you think about. Right. And yeah. so, um, I, I just, I, Bob, was America's dad, you know, he was, I joked that, but he really was. Yeah. He he, really, really was. Yeah. And from the beginning it, we just all had a really wonderful, warm connection. Uh, and he was so great with us kids. And I think that all of that love and, and, and affection really came across on screen. And I think it's what made the show so popular was that, you know, you were, it was like a a window into a genuine family's life because we all really, each other that much. absolutely and it was kind of the first like modern family on tv it was the right. first kind it, of non-nuclear family that we were seeing where there were right. there it, wasn't exactly. a, a mom was, and dad it was a different uh it was a different family dynamic and and you know so many people talked about how important that was to them and how it was it meant so much to see a family that maybe didn't look like the norm or was made up of people who maybe weren't necessarily blood related but we're still family nonetheless. And yeah. um, I was always really proud of that message because it was important and I, it's you know still just as important. And I think it was something that a lot of people related to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, so my husband and I were in the process of creating our family. And so that's, you know, th- things that we talk about and, and we think about how our kid is going to be affected by not being raised in that, you know, kind of cookie right. cutter, leave it to beaver family. Right. But even beyond the like, you know, same sex couples or single parents, we have kids that are raised by aunts or uncles, kids that are raised by grandparents, kids that exactly. are raised by family, friends, whoever it is. And, and right. Full House really was, like you said, that window into a household where everyone is family whether they're blood or not and everyone right. loves each other whether they're blood or not right. and and that wasn't something that was you know readily shown to people yeah but it was happening yeah, yeah. in the world it was happening in, in america absolutely absolutely so i i was always really proud of being um you know a part of that message and a part of that um that family that that exemplified you know that sometimes your chosen family is you know just as as much family as anything else yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to touch on just what the set was like. I mean, you mentioned how Bob became America's dad, but I have to imagine that he was a mentor to you in so many ways, as were John and Dave and Lori and everyone yeah. else on the set. So what was it like being a kid working with these adult actors? Was I mean, was it chaos? Because like you hear of sets where there's like one kid, two kids. I This was just like kids everywhere. There's like a dog at some right. point. Right. Like- and they always tell you in this business, never work with dogs and kids. And it was right. not only did we have dogs and kids but we would have like you know monkeys and right there was monkeys at one point it was like we'd have a zoo on the show and you know and fuller house even more so it was like what stunts are we doing this week and animals and whatever um but no you know it wasn't chaos it was it was fun it was family there was so much laughter there was a lot of warmth everyone that came to that set that worked on it both on full and fuller house always said this is one of the warmest, friendliest, kindest sets that they've been on. Um, and it just, it, it was a real wonderful place to be and and fun and happy. And a big piece of that was because the adults on our show were so kid friendly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They were warm family people. John right. has a big family and loves kids. And Bob was, you know, he became a dad when we were doing the show. But like he, you know, want, wanted kids and was like very warm with us. And Dave, same with him. He had brothers and he, you know. So it was like we came from these adults who really knew how to include us in they didn't have an ego about us being a part of it you know right right Um, and so it created an environment where it was just happy and warm and it wasn't you know uh, the kids weren't seen as an annoyance they were seen as part of the family um and it you know it was it meant a lot it meant a lot because there are a, a lot of shows are not like that even with all adult casts 
but you know, um, with adults and, and the young people on their shows, oftentimes there's a huge divide and they yeah. don't stay in contact and they don't connect. And that was just never the case with us. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that is a huge relief for me as a fan to hear. And I think all the fans want to know that because there is that kind of like fear of like, oh, well, what happens when the camera shut down and they all just kind of right. go their separate ways and they don't really all like each other and the adults right. just kind of go back to being adults. But knowing that you guys really forged such a strong connection, yeah. I mean, again, I think that that goes hand in hand with why the show was so successful because that yeah. resonated on screen and that it love, did. It did. you know, we spent time together outside of the show. You know, we, we, our families spent time together. Like we yeah. were connected. And so it was a genuine warmth when you saw us hug on, on camera, it came from a place where we really loved each other. Yeah. And, and so um, I think that that family really, show shown through uh, you know and that was a, a big piece of why 30 some odd years later three generations later people are watching the show still yeah absolutely absolutely and even beyond you know uh the adults and how they impacted you as you started growing up and and kind of entering your teen years on the show i have to imagine that you were able to find a community of other teen actors whether they were on the show or kind of in that world like i i talked to andrew keegan last year oh yeah um, andrew you know, was other... on the very last episode of full house that we taped Oh, wow. He was, uh, he played this boy that I liked on the show, but he, the very last episode that we filmed of Full House, he was there. Was that, that wasn't the finale when Michelle falls off the horse, no, right? No, it okay, wasn't. Was the, they aired it in a different order, but it. It, the, the last one that we filmed was with Andrew Keegan. He's so great. I love Andrew. I love He's Andrew. Awesome. I know Andrew. I know his brother. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I mean. You know, there was like a whole little crew and like Marla oh, Sokolov yeah. I, and like everyone. I just, just... Did, uh, I just did the um, Pod Meets World podcast right. Danielle yes. and Will Friedel and um and Ryan oh I'm so Tom. excited I, I listen like, every week I love that podcast. I, I love them oh my gosh and Danielle she was on Full House it was her mm -hmm. first speaking yeah. role you know I, I like all of these people Tia and Tamara you know Taj mm -hmm. their little brother was Michelle's friend on the show so like oh I knew God, them right. they had they did sister sister yes they come hang out and we were around the same age so like they were kind of like I get to hang out with them when Taj was on set right it's like all of these people in in our lives and in our periphery people that I was in acting classes with Christine Lakin and Beverly Mitchell right. and, you know that I wound up doing shows with later on in life it's just, it, and you know, we've always talked about it. It is this weird little sorority of people that you grow up with mm -hmm. um, that have this life experience that isn't like anything else. And some of right. us go on to do just regular normal life stuff, um, but we still have this connection of like, oh my gosh, like remember when, or, you know, yeah. it's, it's your people that can relate in only a way that someone who grew up in this business can. Totally. And, and you were in it at such an interesting time too, because it was kind of like right before like the social media of it all. And like, now there aren't really these gatekeepers in the industry. Like people can be famous all over living in different parts of the country. Like, I, I feel like there's like thousands of, of teen stars now, but at the time right. it was a very small select few. You probably were, were like, um, what's yeah. that one apartment building in LA where all the kids live when they moved Oakwood. to LA? The oh my Oakwood. gosh. You probably we, all we, live we, in the Oakwood. Where we were taught, we were joking about the Oakwood actually. Right. We were like, remember the Oakwood? And we all were like, oh my gosh, yeah. And remember this person and this, you know, whatever, like the random moments of the Oakwood, um, which for those people that don't know what the Oakwood is, it's um, there's a, like a chain of apartments and you can get them furnished. And there's one that's right by Warner Brothers. And there's one that's over here in like Sherman Oaks. And basically, it, like if you were a young person, particularly at that time in the early night, early to mid 90s, you and, and you lived out of state or you lived in Orange County or something, you and your parents probably had a furnished apartment for a few months at the Oakwood so you could go on auditions and like do stuff. And then, you know, maybe you flew back home or whatever. Um, but yeah, we I, I had an apartment up there um, so that we didn't have to drive as far to work, you know, right. it was yeah. 
but you would just see everyone. It was a weird dorm. Right. Cause it it's like, be- you live, live with them. You work with them. You play with them. It's all right. You're doing, you know. you're doing, you know, you do like, you know, celebrity cruises. And it was like, I think right. I remember one year it was me and Andrew Keegan and his brother, Casey and, um, and Ryder strong. And yeah. I think Andrea was, you know, like these random things, but like, it was a summer vacation and we all went on it together, you know, yeah. um, it, I, I am always really grateful for those things and grateful that I still have really wonderful connections and relationships, not just with my full house cast, but with other people that I grew up with in this business that I still yeah. talk to and I'm still really good friends with. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a unique time and yeah. um, I'm, I'm happy for you that you got to experience fame during that time, because again, you didn't have I, to deal with like, I feel like, again, it was like pre that crazy paparazzi time of like, yeah, the early 2000s. I wouldn't want to do it now. Like with yeah. social, I mean, as a young person, I, right. I, I don't know. It's hard enough for just normal young people to be on the internet and on social media and dealing with all that. I, I really don't know what that kind of pressure and access to everyone's opinions about you, uh, what that does to a, a young person. Like that's, yeah. I, I, it's just not healthy. <laughs> right. Well, and it, it forces them to like grow up so fast, like kids these right. days. And, my gosh. And, and you know what? You have to do stupid things as a young person. You have like, you have to learn stupid mistakes. And right. the problem with social media is, is now that stupid mistake or that stupid thing you said or did or whatever now lives forever in eternity on the internet and that's hard enough again if you're a normal kid but when you are you know famous whether through social media or on tv or whatever like now your stupidity is there for everyone yeah and people are not very forgiving and and i just think it would be so hard to be a young person right now uh, and to have that pressure to like not fuck up, you know what I yeah. mean? But also it's like to just be an idiot because you're young, you know what I mean? Right. Like, oh gosh, I, 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 I wouldn't, I don't think I would have handled it well. <laughs> no. And I, I think I, I can't imagine how anyone could handle it. Well, it's such an unforgiving uh, business, right. like you said, to begin with, right. but then like, you know, doing well, it now. And then, and then it's the, the hard thing is, is if you do, do do social media well at that age it's probably because you have someone curating this very public image of who you are Mm -hmm. and that's also really hard too because you're a young person trying to figure out who you really are and if you can't be who you really are when you're presenting to be this person like what does that do to you who is that you know that like that's also really confusing you have these two pieces of yourself so yeah you know I I just think um it's hard enough to be famous and well-known as a young person, but to do it in the day and age where every move and everything you do or say is part of your brand um, would be really hard. Yeah, absolutely. And now there's so many different elements to the fame game. Um, you know, it's not just going to work and acting and then maybe right. doing like a, you know, a, a cruise or like a teen beat magazine spread. Now there's so many like sponsorships right. and sponsored have, what posts. Are you and posting what it, right. Everything. And I, it's, it's super overwhelming. Like, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I have to imagine your time as a child actor was a little bit more, um, I, I don't know, uh, like, just traditional go to work, do your job. What, what yeah, was it like on it was, set? I mean, you know, I guess it was, uh, you know, in the good, the good old days of, uh, <laughs> of being a child star. Um, no, but I, you know, I still like, I look back on it now and it was still a crazy hectic schedule. You know, I, we, when I was shooting full house, um, I was age five when I started and 13 when it ended. So it was all of my school experience, all of my elementary and middle school was during the show. Yeah. Um, and we worked by the second season, we were working four days a week. Mondays, I was in school all day. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I went to school in the morning. My mom picked me up at lunch. I would work on my script in the car, eat lunch in the car, get to work in the afternoon, do all my rehearsals, do our run through and then drive home, do homework in the car or whatever. Um, and then two days a week, Thursdays and Fridays, I would be tutored on set. Um, and then a lot of weekends I traveled, so I would, you know, be flying out on a red eye, like sometimes after a shoot night, uh, to go do, you know, autographs or appearances or, you know, radio tours or whatever. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, looking back on it now, all of that, plus a layer of having to constantly document it all would just be overwhelming. But, um, I definitely 
I thrived being that busy, but I think it has also made adjusting sometimes to being quiet and at peace a little bit like. <laughs> yeah, like where, where is everyone? Yeah. Right, where now what do I do? What am I supposed to yeah. right, Point me in a direction. Right. So were you, so you were going to like actual school some days and then being yeah. schooled on set yeah, some days? Yeah, I went, so I went to What was that school. like? What were the kids in school saying or did they even like kind of get it? Oh yeah, no, they totally got it. Cause I, you know, I, I lived in Orange County, which is a little bit outside right. of LA, um, it's a little bit South. And so it wasn't all kids in entertainment, particularly in elementary and, and middle school. It was me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, although I did go to middle school and high school with Michael Fishman from Roseanne oh, and yeah. um, uh, Taryn Manning and a few other people. I went to oh, cool. high school. So that, okay was a little bit different, but yeah. I wasn't doing the show at that point. But um, it was weird. You know, I was definitely, I was the only kid that had a job. I was the only kid that came and went. I was the only kid that, you know, missed out on a lot of the social dynamics between people and would come back and, you know, especially girls in like fifth, sixth grade, middle school. I mean, you missed two days and you have missed complete allegiance shift and drama and you know and it wasn't like it is now with social media where you could keep it it was like you were gone you you just had no idea and you came back and you're like hey oh oh we're not talking we're not friends with them anymore okay (laughs) oh i i don't know what's happening and it was like well i don't want to deal with that you know and um I I spent a lot of time. I loved working in the library uh, as a kid. It was just, it was more quiet and peaceful. <laughs> um, some kids were mean. Some kids were overly nice, which was also just as weird. Yeah. Um, and then some kids finally got to know you and just didn't care. Yeah. You know, and you kind of adjusted. Usually after a couple months, they were kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, but, you know, of course, if there was a particularly embarrassing episode or something, I was like, oh right school you know I knew it was going to be whatever the the tease being teased of the week but in a lot of ways it it gave me a thick skin it made me learn um that you know again other people's opinions of me don't matter um and I are, are unnecessary to my happiness and existence um and I'm grateful for those lessons now yeah but uh, you know they were they were hard won as a kid for sure yeah for sure. Okay. So you, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes you would get a little nervous if there was like an embarrassing storyline or anything like that. Is there any storyline that sticks out? Not necessarily that was like super embarrassing, but just a storyline that you remember, like not being excited about for Stephanie. I can't remember specifically, but I'm sure like when I was a kid, nothing was, I was, I would be totally silly and whatever, you know, as most kids are, you're imaginative and you're playful and whatever. And then you hit like sixth grade and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, don't look at me. Oh my gosh. Like you want attention, but also like, let me blend in. Right. Uh, So I don't remember any specific ones, but I'm sure if there was like one where, you know, Steph got a stupid nickname. I knew that that was going to be the right. next nickname. At They'd school. be calling you that at school. Yeah. Right. Like step on me, I think was one that okay. I got. Like, oh yeah. my God. And it was, it wasn't even like uh, embarrassing. It was just annoying where you're like, right. not even, it's not even my name. I'm Jody. Like, I'm Jody. <laughs> like, please find something else. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, the, it was, it, 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 there was a price to it. And, and I think, um, because I started so young and I never really had that that anonymity as a kid, I never knew what it was um, mm-hmm. to not have that experience of people yeah. recognizing me. Um, and I don't say that like like people recognize me, but just when the truth, five yeah. years old when I started the show and by the second and third season, it was pretty popular. I was six, seven. Yeah. I don't have a lot of memory of my life before that time. And so it's kind of always been this weird public experience, you know? Yeah, Um, definitely. But I navigated it pretty well, I'd say, um, sort of straddling the, the, the divide between normal, quote unquote, normal kid and, you know, working child actor. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you have a favorite Stephanie storyline? Um, 
you know, I really, I, I always liked the storylines where Steph kind of stood up for the right thing. Um, there was one when we were young with the uh, with Duckface. I seem to remember. Oh yeah, Duckface. Um, and oh, she poor, I felt so bad for Duckface. him, yeah. right? Like she was picking on, then like she stood up for him. Um, and then, you know, there was like when she got kind of peer pressured into the smoking thing with Gia, but then she stood mm -hmm. up to her and they actually became friends. Like, yes, Steph always she she stood her ground and was always rewarded for that. Yes, and I, absolutely. I loved being that um, person. And, you know, and be, of course, as a kid, you're like, oh, my gosh, like, it's so lame. Like, Steph's going to stand up to the bull. You know what I mean? Like, as a kid. But now I look up to it and I'm like, I'm so glad that that was who she was as a character. Yeah. Well, and I love the way that they handled all of that with Stephanie, because like I said before with DJ, it always kind of seemed like DJ was just very firm in her convictions. She knew what was wrong. She knew what was right. And she might tell Kimmy that's wrong, but like DJ is never going to try it herself, you know, but right, with right, Stephanie, right. you walked that line of like, well, is she or isn't she? And she like, like we talked about before, you had to learn so many things the hard way. And, and right. that is relatable. Right. I, I, Steph, you know, she would, she made things messy sometimes and she was a middle kid who wanted attention sometimes. And so she'd do stupid stuff. And, you know, I, I, um, yeah, I, I loved those storylines when you really kind of got to see stuff. And of course I always loved the dancing storylines as a kid, nice. I was a dancer and the, the girls that came on the show to, to dance with Stephanie were part of the dance studio that I went to. So it was like my oh, friend cool. and my dance teacher that would come in to choreograph. So, you know, How I always fun. loved those storylines because it was people that I knew that I was friends with and I got to dance and yeah. do so How fun. Awesome. I, I also loved when Stephanie started a band and you performed uh, yes. Ace of Bass. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing also like, you know, have like crash learning to play guitar in two and a half weeks, uh, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh. But I actually, I still talk to uh, Lanny Cordola, who um, was a friend of John Stamos's, who taught me how to play guitar, uh, who's how a really, cool. really wonderful human being. But yeah, I had to learn how to play guitar terribly for that. And then, <laughs> you, and guys then killed you know, it. as an adult, they're like, Steph's a singer songwriter. I'm like, I think that's just a singer, like just a <laughs> Steph and a mic, you know what I mean? Like no yeah. guitar or instruments. We'll, just, yeah. we'll give Steph her Adele moment. There we uh, go. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I love it, I love it. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. All right, so we are we're still kind of right in the midst of this like reboot slash remake renaissance in Hollywood that's that's been going on for the past like decade or so. And Fuller yeah. House absolutely capitalized on that. It was kind of one of the first like big '90s shows to be rebooted. It was I, one of the first shows, period, to kind of be rebooted, and it, yeah. and it really led the charge. I mean, when we were first pitching that show, because I was involved in a lot of the pitch in the the pitch meetings with Candace and Andrea and John Stamos and and Jeff Franklin, you know. Places were hesitant. They were like, well, 
I don't know, there's this, this, you know, and we were like, all right. And once Fuller House did really well, it was like all of a sudden, you know, networks and people were like, but you know, I think maybe people might actually want to see this. Right. So, right. Well, it's, I, I can imagine that there was probably concern of like, well, this show is so like rooted in the time that it was made in. And so people were probably like, is that going to read now? Right. And we were like, we don't want it to be, you know, like that. We don't, we know that an eighties, early nineties saccharine sweet sitcom like that is not what people want. It's not what's going to resonate. Kids are going to think it's lame even, you know what I mean? And, and I think we did Fuller house did a pretty great job at walking the line of, being a little self-referential, referencing, you know, breaking the fourth wall occasionally right. and and making fun of ourselves slightly to where it we look, we knew what we were. You know what I mean? Yeah. We weren't trying, we knew we weren't gonna be like a groundbreaking dark comedy. You know what I mean? It was still family friendly, but we had a, a little bit more of an edge to us at times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's exactly what needs to happen right. is like, you've got to tap into the nostalgia factor, but you also have to be able to like poke fun at what no longer resonates. Um, right. Interest. I, I, a few months ago, I actually had Tara Reed on my show and we were talking ah. about Josie and the Pussycats and we kind of right. got into this whole same conversation. And in the nineties, they kind of had a little reboot thing where they did Josie and the Pussycats, they did like the Flintstones, they did the Brady Bunch movie, and they were all like very, like almost satirical and like poking fun at the original, which which is why it works, you know? Well, and you know what's funny is if you think about it now, so it was like in the 90s, they were doing those throwbacks and those were a lot of like late 60s, early Mm -hmm. 70s, mid 70s shows. Yeah. And then you look at, okay, so it's kind of like once the, you know, whoever winds their way up to the the, the top of the network, they're like, you know what I'd love to see is like, my childhood. <laughs> exactly. Like it's a brand so, new idea. We've never right, had right. this brand before. Like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do this. But, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So fun. Um, so now obviously Fuller House was an opportunity for you to step back into Stephanie's shoes, mm-hmm. but it was also an opportunity for you to take on a new role as director, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So tell yeah. me about that. Tell me about what it was like directing and, and oh. specifically directing a sitcom. I, I, I love sitcoms. I always say like nothing soothes me like a laugh track. So right, right. The, the format, I just love it. Um, I'm like a, a stage and theater actor by trade. Oh, so then, that, yes, that's sitcom at its core. And like, it's right. such a dying breed now. Well, it was, but I will tell you the it's, it's, it's bounding back a little bit. There right. have been, there have been more multi cam sitcoms coming back which is great because uh, I was like oh good I want to direct those um but being able to step into the position of director was really um it was really rewarding you know it was something that I had thought about for a long time as a young person I thought I wanted to do then I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it if it was just what I thought everyone wanted me to do, then I didn't think maybe I was talented enough to, you know, all of those things that we go through. And then finally coming back as an adult and having worked through a lot of that stuff and saying to myself, you know what, I'm, I want to, I want to try this. I know now I have, you know, in, in the interim of, of this business of full house and fuller house, um, you know, I did have a few normal jobs. I worked in, in drug and alcohol treatment. I worked um, in schools, uh, but I did, I learned a whole new skill set of organizational skills and logistics and planning and being a leader and having people that work under you and how to have a team and, you know, all those things that I didn't think were skills that I really knew what to do with. And so once I came back as an adult, I was like, wait, I have this whole other life experience now to draw from in addition to knowing this business so well, because I've never really left it. There've been times that I haven't worked as often in it, but for, you know, on and off for 37 years, it's been what I've done. And so it was like stepping into that role as director. I directed um, the nearly wed game, which was the third to the last episode of Fuller house. Um, I, uh, you know, I was, I, I knew I could do it, but of course, like anything new, you, your first day, you're like, um, what have I done? What have I done? Right. What if I can do this? What if I suck? Oh my God, everyone's going to know, you know, and 
I, I stepped off that, like that ledge, you know what I mean? Of like, oh God, here we go. And I did it and, and I knew what to do and it, and I felt confident and I, I felt supported without feeling, um, coddled by, by my team and by my crew and, you know, it was an amazing experience. And, you know, hopefully this summer I will be getting to uh, direct my first rom-com, first movie. Oh, fun. Uh, so hopefully that'll be happening sometime in the summer. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's definitely something I want to do a lot more of. It's something that I found a new passion for. And like I said, uh, having that life experience outside of acting and entertaining, I went, oh, wait, this this all fits together. And this is, you know, that that's why I needed that part of my life to, to kind of come into this. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. And what a better place to, you know, jump off that ledge than when you're with this family that you've been a part of for, like you said, right. 37 years. I mean, right. this is, this is the safest space for you to take that leap. Right. And, you know, we were really lucky. Candace got to direct, I got to direct and Andrea is a writer and she got to write an episode. Oh, and awesome. so we, uh, and Dave Coulier also came back to direct an episode, uh, several episodes. Um, but it was so, it, it was so wonderful. Like you said, to, have some of the same producers and people and cast there to witness, you know, Candace and Andrea and myself moving up to that next level in our career and taking that next step and feeling like our family was there to do it with us. Like right. what a huge honor that was and what a what an amazing experience, you know, and to do it on the same stage that you were shooting the show on when we were kids at Warner Brothers. You know, it was in so many ways, it was a surreal, uh, um, full circle moment. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> but, pun intended. <laughs> uh, it really was. And again, it was like, wow, what, what, um, what magic is this, you know? And, yeah. and, and so much gratitude throughout all of that and, and continuing because of it, but just to be so grateful to get to do all of that and, and do it with people that you love and that you really genuinely care about and get along with, you know? Yeah. It was, it was a great experience. Yeah, what a gift. Really quick, you mentioned Andrea Barber. I just have to say love love, <laughs> love her and for the longest time my like Instagram bio was my friends parents refer to me as the male Kimmy Gibbler. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Look, Kimmy for all of her annoyances and whatever, she was a ride or die best ride friend. Ride or die. Like, ride or die. She Kimmy was always there. She yeah. was, she was and is a great friend. I mean, yeah. she had Steph's baby. So I feel like that, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty big one. For sure. Uh, well, and there's something to be said about those friends who they like become a part of your yeah. family. And I always yeah. love that. Like, if I'm your friend, I want to be friends with your brother. I want to be friends with your sister. I want to be friends right. with your it's uncle. Your, like, I want your to be family's yeah. not my family. Like, exactly. That's how it should be. Oh, yeah. And my friends, like, they know they come over on holidays, and my parents right. are like, oh, it's our other children. You know, like, that's just exactly it's the can. it's the Kimmy Gibbler effect and I love it is it, it is it's the Kimmy Gibbler effect um uh minus the the like the annoying and maybe the ostrich maybe uh, but I she's one of my favorite human beings she's incredible she's so smart she's so funny and she is so nothing like Kimmy Gibbler that watching her bring that character to life and kind of you know, she's naturally more quiet and reserved and, and, and to watch her kind of transform into Kimmy and let out this ridiculous persona that's inside. It's just, I, I, I love watching it. And I was always so grateful that, that Kimmy and Steph got to have some fun, like bits. You're together. sparring. Like, uh, you're, yeah. you're, and, oh my, I mean, wait, there's, we had there was a, so I forget fun. a joke from, from early on in the show but uh, oh my god what what was it i know what it is it's the horoscope joke right oh yes that's it okay everyone so i this joke everyone's like oh my god she called her a whore i'm like no 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 it was horror but mm. as a kid you kind of just go horoscope right right and it sounds like horoscope <laughs> right and right which really is what the more the word is. and so like i see it and i'm like well that wasn't 
technically it, but it is, it works either way and I'll, I'll go with it. It's totally funny. Um, yeah, either I, way, I, pref I prefer that version. I think it's, I, I prefer Steph having like a, just a real dig. I think it's, uh, you know, much more like her, but yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> yes. We love it. We love it. Um, okay. So in addition to directing, which you're, mm -hmm. you're doing this year, which is super exciting. You've also been hosting your own show at the comedy store in LA called the family dinner. Can you tell I us have. about that? Oh, yes. You know, over during the pandemic, uh, when when everyone's lives fell apart, um, I, you know, obviously I've grown up with stand up comedians. I've always been around, you know, Bob and Dave um, and other stand ups sort of tangentially through them. I've always loved comedy um, and uh, I, I've always found it to come naturally. Uh, but during the pandemic, I kind of fell in with a group of comedians that were doing a lot of stuff online. And I started um, co-hosting a show called SDSC, which was started as the social distancing social club. Um, and we were doing it, you know, in the beginning we were doing it like every day. Cause what the hell else were we doing? Right. Uh, the pandemic except for like zoom meetings. And it was, you know, com comedians weren't, we weren't, nobody was able to do shows. You couldn't do live stuff. So it was like, fuck it, let's try this online thing. And, and so I sort of fell in with this group and they were like, you're really funny. Like, wow, you should keep doing this. And then they asked me to co-host it with them. And then they asked me to do more stuff. And so I started kind of falling in with this group of people and producers that do comedy, that do hosting and, and do stuff like that and at the comedy store. Um, and and I'm just really grateful. Like I've been doing more stand-up comedy and it's, it's this really wonderful... Um, reminder honestly of bob in my life um bob and i even as you know for me as an adult i mean he and i were the ones on the group chat where we would just keep going and like keep a joke you know running well right. past its expiration and <laughs> you know he and i at notes were always like they would joke that i had become bob at notes because i was constantly like anything that was said it was like i had a stupid one-liner for it or i had a you know an inappropriate joke or i yeah. had you know whatever some sort of dick joke or so, something stupid <laughs> and yeah. it was like oh my god it's like i i just sort of naturally fell into that yeah he passed that. the baton right and so over this last year after having lost him and and then reconnecting with some of his other stand-up friends friends like mike binder and um you know jeff ross and these guys um who have always been so good to me and so kind to me and now moving into doing stand up and hosting this show family dinner at the comedy store with three comedians and myself. And it's a live panel comedy show. We taught, we have, I have the comedians each bring in some sort of dish or something that reminds them of their childhood. I don't care if it's a Twinkie, if it, I mean, we had a, one of our first shows, Chris Fairbanks, uh, he his mom liked health food so he brought a block of tofu but he said but what he used to do as a kid was hide a taco bell burrito up his sleeve so up his sleeve he had a bean and cheese burrito from taco bell on stage <laughs> like it was great that's awesome just like you know fun moments like that uh the audience we call them the kids table and uh I, i'm really fortunate it's been going great we've sold out every show we're hopefully doing another one the end of april um we're actually uh, having a, a meeting about doing some merch for the show um, awesome yeah so it's taking off it's going really well and and i just every time i get to go up there and and you know be on stage especially at the comedy store where there's a big poster bob every time i walk in i you know i walk by and i'm like hi and just give it a kiss you know and 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 i feel like uh i i i am so grateful that i grew up with um with really talented comedians who encouraged me uh, to be funny yeah, and who, and who didn't try and, um, you know, uh, not joke around with us and not include us. Um, I, you know, I've always said Bob had a huge Bob and Dave and John and Lori, but Bob in particular had a really huge influence on me um, as a young person. And, and I, I miss him all the time, but I, yeah. I get to feel like I'm, honoring him a little bit when I go up and, and just make a, a, just a really inappropriate joke. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's what he did best. Yeah. <laughs> it's what he did best. And I yeah. like, there were times I, one time I out Bobbed Bob. I said, I said a joke. I think it was at our Fuller house rap party. And he just went, wow. <laughs> wow. And I was like, wait, did I like out? Did I, did I outdo? He was like, yeah, that was wow. I was like, oh my oh, God. I don't even remember what it was. 
but I, I carry that moment with me that I out Bob Bob. That's awesome. I love it too. And it's like, you, you really are kind of carrying this legacy on and, you know, with the comedy and with the directing now, all of it, it really is like you are in this family business and the family is, you know, the Tanner family and everyone that comes along with that. And you're really following in, in the footsteps of, you know, all the people that came before you, which is so cool and so unique. Like, I don't think there, there are probably so few actors that have played the same part, you know, as a child and then again, as an adult, but like to be able to kind of forever be tied to these people and working with these people and surrounded by these people. Right. And to not be miserable at that, you know what I mean? To actually be like, that's, we, we, we are like that by choice. Like, you know, we we just went to nineties con in Hartford. It was me and Dave Goulier and Candace Cameron Beret and uh, Andrea Barber. And the four of us went and it was like, it was so nice to get to see them and spend time with them. And, you know, like it's, you know, no matter what, we're a family. And I think, um, I, I don't know that I would have, um, a lot of the things in my life and a lot of the confidence and a lot of the, I mean, I I have incredible parents, but I have a very small family. So my full house family was this great extended, big, boisterous family that I had, you know? Well, and and it, and it was, life imitating art because you know that was the whole point of the show was this exactly. big crazy blended family and it truly exactly. became your big crazy blended family it really it really did <laughs> so cool so we talked a little bit about how stephanie was a rebel and she didn't shy away from you know questioning authority which right. obviously you know uh was later reflected a bit in your own personal life with your <laughs> activism you're a very vocal and prominent activist for equal rights for all um can you tell me a little bit about how you got into your activism work and and you know things that you're passionate about fighting for uh yeah actually you know i've always uh i've always been a bit of a a loud mouth um i've (laughs) always been someone um who wanted to speak out when there was injustice i've never done well with it whether it was friends at school or um you know, whether it was a, a dress code I didn't agree with or what, you know, I, I I was always very much like willing to, you know, attach myself to the fence and be like, this, this shall not stand. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and over the past 10 years, I have gotten more committed and more, and, and, you know, I think also as my kids got older, I was in a place to devote more time to things outside of just being mom. So over the past few years, you know, my, my girls are 15 and almost 13 now. Um, I've been able to really be on the ground more and be active more. And, um, you know, I have so many incredible people in my life from so many different life experiences. Um, and I have been fortunate and grateful enough that I have always tried to pay attention to the world around me as opposed to just how the world affects me. Um, And so in doing that, I have always been a person that I, I, I feel obliged to use uh, a platform and a voice for change. I don't like necessarily celebrity culture. I think it's silly. I think it's, weird and overblown and I'm uncomfortable with it. So for me, if people are going to know who I am, then I want to make it worthwhile and I want to be able to do the right thing with it. Um, and, and so that's kind of who I am. And over the past few years, I've just gotten to be, I think as we all have more and more vocal about exactly where I stand, just because I think we're, getting to this place where you kind of have to, um, you, you know, no longer can you just be like, oh, we'll disagree to disagree. It's like, no, right. this, here is, this is what's actually happening. Um, and, you know, I, I continue to do um, a lot of on the ground work. I, I was fortunate enough to, to um, be able to support uh, some planning and organizing this past week for Trans Day Visibility oh, uh, awesome. here in Hollywood. We um, took over Hollywood and Highland. We had a march all through Hollywood. Um, we, uh, it was a really great organization called Queer Exact and um, a lot of other on the ground LGBTQ organizations that came together. And I was 
really honored that I got to be there to support them and, and help, um, you know, in any way that I can. I think it's really important for people that have platforms and have a voice um, to be willing to put yourself out there. Um, I'm always, I've always said I would rather be less popular and more honest um, than vice versa. And so um, I just, I'm like, look, if you want to be a fan of, of me, then this is, this is who I am. Um, if you want to be a fan of a character, that that is great. And you are welcome to that. But that's not who I am. So if you yeah. are, you, you could be a Stephanie fan, great. Mm -hmm. But to be a Jody fan, I, I, these are the things that are important and that mean a lot to me. And so I, I like to make people um, aware of change that needs to happen, of things that maybe they might not be exposed to. I mean, to be real bluntly honest, I am a, you know, a blonde white woman from what you I are. Know, oh my God. Right. So like, I, I, you know, I know that there's probably a lot of people who look like me, who follow me, um, who may not be paying attention to some things because it might not be in their direct periphery or in, in their direct experience. And, and maybe it isn't in mine every day either, but I, I hope to help educate other people and to, you know, I've done a lot of growth in my life in various ways. And all I want is to help other people be able to question themselves and grow in that same way. And growing is uncomfortable. Yeah. So you have to ask yourself uncomfortable questions and you have to be able to put yourself in situations that other people face and, and, and positions that other people are in to kind of go, Oh, wait, this is, I, I'm uncomfortable with either my response or what this is and how do I, what do I do to take action to change it? So. Yeah. We just touched on something so important, which is that, you know, growth is uncomfortable. That's why it's yeah. called growing pains. You know, yeah. and I'm not just talking about the 90s sitcom. I'm like, <laughs> it really is supposed to be uncomfortable. And, right. you know, we as adults, we don't like sitting in uncomfortability. Well, no, as humans, right. Yeah. Our, our entire goal as human beings is, is comfort, right? Like, yeah. let me, I want to be fed. I want to be clothed. I want to be, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> and so it's not fun to, to have to outgrow things. And sometimes we have to outgrow things, even if the situation is terrible, we have, we have to outgrow things in a way that we have to change our response. Right. And, you know, and that's, you know, all I ask for people to do is just be willing to ask themselves uncomfortable questions and really genuinely look at the answers and if, and, and be willing to be uncomfortable with answers about yourself, because that's where the, the work is. And when you work and change and open your mind and educate yourself, like that's really a wonderful feeling. And I think that's, you know, really what is at the heart of, of so much of what I care about and my activism is trying to get people to just be willing to be a little bit more open-minded, be willing to take a look at something a little bit differently or something that's outside of maybe what they experience every day and be willing to think that maybe their perspective isn't the only one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's sometimes people aren't, challenged with those questions um and particularly people um you know who kind of can go through their life unaffected by a lot of those things tend to not ask themselves those questions because why would they it doesn't right. it doesn't they don't have to um and so i i just always hope to educate people make people ask uncomfortable questions and you know what sometimes piss them off a little bit if, yeah. if you're unhappy and not piss them off in a way that makes them combative i mean piss people off in a way that if you think that this is in, unjust if you are upset about this please take action i do something know, about it do yeah something about it um and um and i i always hope to like inspire other people to take that and be able to to facilitate change with it um I, I have learned that it is more important um, to stand for what is right than to stand for what is popular. And so um, I am willing to put popularity on the back burner 
um, in order to to help lift up voices of people who maybe don't get heard otherwise. And there's really not much that'll stop me. So, you know, I mean, look, my, you know, my dad is not always, it's certainly not on the, you know, in agreement. And I just, I am just at his house. Like, yeah. I don't care. Right. Right. <laughs> this is who I am. This is what it is. And that's kind of how I live my life. And there is a, a wonderful freedom in that. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Well, I have to say when I found out you were coming on the podcast, I, asked all of my listeners and all of my social media followers to send me questions for you. And I got a ton of questions, but what I got even more of actually was just comments from people who really wanted you to know how special you were to them and how much you positively impacted their lives, both as kids and as adults. I got so many comments from people that were like, no question, but please just tell her that she means so much to me. Wow. That means a lot. That means it's, a lot. It's it's true. And it, you know, it speaks to it speaks to the character, it speaks to the show, but most importantly, it speaks to you. And um, like I said, you know, when you joined me, this is such a like bucket list moment for me. You have been an an absolute icon of mine my entire life. So thank you so much for being here with me today. This was so much fun. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. It was wonderful. And uh, I'm so glad we got to chat. Yes. Oh, really quick before you go. Um, We didn't yes. even mention you are friends with Jen Pasiloff, who I love dearly. Yes. Love. Yes. Love and Jen. Then... I'm actually co-doing a, a, a retreat with her pretty soon. Oh, cool. Um, in Ojai. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Which Fun. reminds me, she's been bugging me to do an Instagram live with her. I need to text her oh, right now. Well, like, tell her yeah, I say hi. Yeah. I, will. Um, I will. And then another connection we have, and I was going to say your skin looks beautiful. And that's because I know Kayla from Kayla Aesthetics. <laughs> She's oh my gosh. She I also need to text her because she did my lashes too. And I my lashes need a touch up. I need a facial. I need a whole like, you know, my monthly so my monthly touch up work. But she's yeah, amazing. Fun. But she and I have been good friends since middle school. We grew up oh, together. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, she's a doll. So sweet. I really Yeah. Really well, it. when I, I posted that you were coming on the show, she was so excited and wanted to oh, say great. hi. So I'll oh, I'll text fun. her now and be like, you need to book an appointment with Yeah, Jay. I know. I'm gonna text her right now and be like, <laughs> I, I need to do my lashes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Thank you again so much for being Absolutely. here. Absolutely. So, so fun. Such a pleasure. So fun. I'll talk to right. you later. Bye. Bye.